Yeah, I'm going to close my closet so my vacuum cleaner isn't the eyesore. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 253 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and the monomania is running wild! Look, the start of these podcasts... Huh? You got mono? <laughs> my plans have always have Sean asking... Why am I like this? Unfortunately, I don't have an answer, but it's all a life circle. Yes, for anybody who doesn't understand, who might just be joining us for the first time every week, Morgan does puns using the lyrics and song titles and album titles of the band. And Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for blaspheming, (laughs) but it drives me mental. Please stop! Anyway, this week's guest is the absolutely lovely Telly Smith of the Word Alive. Yes, if we open the door to the metalcore, post-hardcore side of things, the Word Alive of being a staple, or more like a nail gun to this scene for the last Fuck 15 him! years. This, it makes sense. You do more damage I with a nail gun. I know it makes sense, than- but you don't have to do it. <laughs> do you? It's like me punching you in the face when I see you, right? It yeah, makes sense, <laughs> but I don't have to fucking do it. I haven't done it yet. Uh, besides that, <laughs> they always If you do another on... one, I'm going to go fucking mad. If you do another one now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. It's all good. It's all good. No. <laughs> the word alive and known for putting on wild shows to every audience imaginable. Probably heard Teddy popping up on all your favorite heavy band songs, but their vocal point currently revolves around the phrase Hard Reset. Not only is that the name of their new record, but people seem to really be embracing a new side to the band with lineup changes, fresh perspectives, and overall hunger, which we'll talk with him in a little bit. But there's definitely a guest we had to get on, reflecting on so many stories. And, in a weird way, this is a low-key reunion for the two of you. Right, so this is absolutely fucking mental, right? I like the word alive. I like Telly Smith. I know of his work. I know of the word alive. So what I did was, 
Um, it, and it's very rare I do this, right? When we're doing a guest, um, <laughs> I Googled him. I Googled him to find out uh, a bit more. So I went through his past, which you, you should probably never do to anybody in a band. But I went <laughs> went through his past and I found that he was in a band called Greeley Estates, right? So in 2008, the Blacker went to America for the first time and we did five dates from west to east so we could play Bamboozle Festival. Um, at the end of the week, which was in the New York Giants Stadium. But on that tour, between uh, what was meant to be Albuquerque all the way across to New York, so the blackout went from, we went from headlining our biggest ever show, London Astoria, um, unsigned, you know, on a bus, full fucking, full works, to then go into America where we're the first band of four on every night and we're the only band with a bus and I believe that was the first time a lot of those other people in the bands had seen a bus in the flesh. It was Greeley Estates, a skylit drive, and bless the fall, pre-Boboken. Yeah, so we did, we did some fucking tiny shows in America. I realized he was in Greeley Estates for about six months. And it just so happened to be <laughs> the same six months when the Blackout toured together. Wow. So the fact... So we've toured together and both of us hardly remember much of it. I just remember going from like the Astoria where you've got 2,500 people in front of you, security, barriers, all our safety equipment to we were playing clubs and pubs in America on the floor in people's faces. And I just remember being like, yes, this is what I fucking live for. I'm back doing this. Shows you how fucking absolutely small the world is and the music world. Unbelievable. Yeah, literally 15 years later, meeting each other again. And that was just before his involvement with the World Alive as well. So, I mean, it's a, such a small world and how uh, how this industry works. But throughout this conversation, Telly is going to share some absolutely insane stories about this weird journey of band life, picking up a collection of brutal stage injuries, phoning key scene legends for advice, the time he sang for Under Oath on tour, why Limp Biscuit are the perfect band, and a scary story of what sounds like a horror film town. So, yeah, um, yeah. expect that as well. But before we go into everything, just another reminder to follow us at Sapling Pod on Instagram and the app formerly known as Twitter. And to go and support us, you have our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Over there, there's a whole community of wonderful, wonderful people who help keep this thing running each and every week and just meet up with each other at gigs, festivals, and just have a giant, fun-loving time. Give it a go. Come on, man. Get over there. Give us some support. Patreon.com forward slash sapnin. You can give as little or as much as you want. You can make it a one-off thing. So if you've listened to three or more episodes of this, or this is your first time and you listen to this and really, really enjoy it, right? I know you're thinking, but Sean, how can I enjoy it? It's just you two twats talking so far. It gets better, I promise you. I promise you it gets better. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash happening. Fucking help the boys out, is it? Anyway, here's fucking television, Smith. Sapnin! Sapnin! What is this short for? Terry.
Sapnin! Sapnin! Sapnin. Yes! Yes! We are joined at the moment by singer, songwriter, awesome front person, and all round fantastically good egg, Telly Smith! <laughs> How are you? Thank you, thank you. You know what? Uh, I'm feeling better every minute that this uh, will go on, probably. So oh, I'm good. That's I'm nice. Good. This is a good yeah. start. Good start. You, oh. you say that, but it's just going to get more and more chaotic, and then you're going to wish yeah. you never, never joined us for this. Because no, that's good. I need that. I one. I like <laughs> chaos. Um, I mean, I like peace. It's the yin and the yang. Like I need both, but I have I have to get warmed up for the day. So this will this will get me warmed up. Okay, good luck. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, let's not try and spoil the, spoil the day early on by talking to us us two Welsh Muppets. But yeah, how are you? How's things with the band? Great. What's going on? Yeah, we just we just got off a uh, tour, play, uh, did a flight eight festival um, in Connecticut. Uh, we're we're kind of just in chill mode for the next couple months. Uh, we go we go back out on tour in November, December with a band called from ashes to new catch your breath we're on our label and then uh, a newer younger artist called eco and so between now and then i'm just doing all the you know you know how it goes like all the stuff you have to do behind the scenes you know our new record just dropped in august and so i'm sure we'll be doing a ton of things with that and i've been doing a lot of this a lot of podcasts a lot of press <laughs> um, sorry for that no, no, no. I mean, look, it, it would be a lot worse if there was none, you know, like that's like the opposite, you know, of it. So I look at it like it, you know, maybe someone from here is going to be like, I don't know who the word alive is. And then they check it out and I, like, oh shit, where the fuck have I been? So I like doing it. And uh, yeah, um, I'm just hanging out though. Well, I noticed uh, in this downtime as well, you've just been kind of uh, practicing your basketball skills, trying to get a slam dunk again after having a really yeah. horrible ankle ligament injury last summer. Um, that must have been horrible to start. And I imagine that's not the best injury to have when you're a front man and you're jumping around a lot and you're trying to be like a good ro- a show. So how was it being <laughs> with that? What's the process like at the moment? Um, yeah, so finally a hundred percent healthy. Um, it, for those of you, maybe both or everyone who don't know, I have an extensive list of injuries over the years. This dates back from when I was in like, I'd say it's really started in late middle school, like eighth grade, freshman year, high school, uh, for me. So I played a ton of sports. Sports are like my life. Um, basketball and basketball in particular is my like first love. I, I still play every week to this day. Well, last summer in particular, I like right before, I, I would say it was about a week and a half or two weeks before I was supposed to leave for tour. I fractured my ankle just slightly, which that I've done that six times. So it's, um, it's nothing new to me, but the ligament damage was worse. Um, I tore three ligaments and my ankle was just like, it, my leg to my ankle to my foot was just like a log. And I was like, oh man, tour is about to suck. But I, you know, the swelling went down. I wore a brace and, um, you know, luckily just kind of the adrenaline, you know, Sean, you know, like when, yeah. when you go on stage, like some, some nights you don't have a voice like five minutes before you go on stage and you go on stage and somehow it comes back. Like 
I say on stage all the time, I'm like, live music is like this magic thing that just pulls you in and, and it like lifts you up. And then sometimes like you get off stage and then it sinks and then it hurts like hell. Or sometimes they're like, ah, it's not as bad anymore. And that's kind of like what was happening. But because I couldn't stay off of it, it prolonged the healing process for sure. So I would say probably within the last like three to five weeks as my ankle started to feel like fully stable again. And, but yeah, I broke my back. I broke ribs, uh, a ton of fingers, nose, um, every, I'm still healing from a broken finger. I did right before this last tour. Like I can't, I can't bend this all the way down. I have ligament damage in that finger right now, but, or a tendon what damage, do you, sorry. What do you do when you're not in a band? <laughs> are you like a skydiver who doesn't own a parachute? What's, what's going on? I here? just, I just, so I just turned 37 and I have never stopped playing sports or like being active. Right. Like I was 17. Okay. So I don't know how to, to turn it off. Like, I don't know how to do things differently from how I grew up doing it. And then I kept doing it and then I would just get hurt sometimes really badly. And then everything in my brain would say like, okay, like you're never going to do this again, never do this again. And what do I do? I do it again. And then I keep doing it and I just, I'm like, you know, the pain sucks, but it is temporary so far. I'm sure my bones at some point are going to really be aching, but it, you know, that's, I, I don't know. I'd rather them be aching from me, like living my life my way than they're going to ache anyways, just cause I get old. So I'm just trying to have fun and, and be as active as I can be. So nice. A few yeah. broken bones. Good way to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might as well just enjoy yourself with these things. But I've got to say, if you had listed to a complete stranger all those injuries, I probably would have guessed that you were a wrestler, maybe, because that's some, <laughs> that's some stuff to, to carry around. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember. We tried to count it up. This, I think it was even on this tour. Somehow the topic of conversation came up and I was trying to count all the bones I broke. I think it's around 26 or something like that, but wow. it's, it, it's, it's up there. How many of these are show related injuries? So show, um, broke two vertebrae, two ribs, um, one, one ankle, <laughs> one break finger, uh, stage diving. Oh, I, I did like, I used to do a backflip off our ego risers and then I would go to the back of the stage and I would run and then I would jump and I would either do a front flip or I would just go as high and as far as I could go into the crowd. Uh, I used to jump off balconies. Like all I used to do like all that stuff. Cause that's the generation of like punk rock, metal, metalcore, all that stuff. That's I, I grew up watching like Dillinger skate plan live shows yeah. on YouTube being like, Oh, this is, I have to be like Greg. Like I have to do some crazy shit. And so then I, I went, I jumped, I would always aim for like the biggest guy in the crowd. And you know, you're usually, I'm five, nine. I'm not a big guy. I weigh, well, most of my career, I would probably weighed like 150 or something, 150 pounds, like not much, but the biggest guy, he's probably like six, three, six, four. He goes like this. Oh and no. I try to turn. And, and so when you're like flying through the air, full speed, all your weight and it's elbow from a big guy straight into your back. He, uh, yeah, I tried to turn, which is how I got like two vertebrae and, and two ribs, but 
the doctor said it could it could have been a lot worse it just you know it it was a freak accident but it, it could have been worse i could have maybe not got hurt at all i, I don't know but that one took like two years to heal um, wow that, that was a brutal one again sounds like wrestling moves and wrestling injuries yeah, you're in yeah. the you're in the wrong career path here i think which is crazy really when you think about it because i'm i'm of like like we're similar ages we like obviously grew up watching this similar things like i know the exact like you're probably talking about that that one dillinger escape plan video where he's in virgin mega store and yes, he just yeah. runs as Crap, far as he can runs on, on faces yeah. <laughs> well I, i'm i'm like you i like jumping about and but yeah, I've never broken anything. But as Morgan mentioned, the only time I think I might have fractured anything is the bottom of my back when I I got asked to guest on my friend's song and my friend's a wrestler in WWE. I was like, I'll do the song if we can do a wrestling video. And then I got powerbombed from the second rope through a table thinking, oh, I've seen May Young, an old woman, do this several hundred <laughs> times. If she can do it, I can fucking do it. And um, mm -hmm. I was so, so wrong. Um, my back hurts to this day, and I'm terrified of going to see a chiropractor or a doctor because I know <laughs> the moment I do, a doctor will go, oh, that's crazy that you can still walk because you shouldn't be able to. And then my body will go, ha ha, we found yeah. out. And then I'll be yeah. in a wheelchair forever. So yeah, I'm living in that fear at the moment. But um, has it calmed you down at all? Uh, de definitely, yeah. I, I don't jump off balconies. I don't uh, stage dive anymore. Um I, I don't even do like, you know, backflips and all that stuff. Like I always tell people who ask, they're like, oh, are you ever going to do this? And I'm like, I'm like, brother, I just try to sing good now. <laughs> like like now, now I'm like back in the, back in that day, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you see live video or you hear something and people be like talking shit. And I'm like, I'm literally like throwing my body around. Like you think that my priority was to sound the best? No. Nowadays though, I try to like, blend that like I, I still run around on stage a lot i still jump i try to have as much high energy as i can but i try not to sacrifice like the the song and so that that's that's the difference and and the wisdom that i've gained is like it is totally fine to not destroy your body for <laughs> rock and roll like I, well i've already done that so I have I have that badge. So now I just need to like have the great singer badge. Yeah, yeah. You've paid your dues. You've evolved into just being able to focus on the songs itself rather than the uh, <laughs> the showmanship in between. But yeah, well, it's quite it's quite nice you can do that to be honest. Because um, I'd love to be able to do that, but I'm <laughs> such a terrible <laughs> terrible singer that I have to distract with um, front flips and uh, cartwheels. And um, beating myself about the brain um, with the microphone. So, um, yeah, lucky you. You, you know what? what maybe it's that. you just never stop doing that. And maybe you, maybe you can. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look up some videos after this. To oh, no, 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 don't. <laughs> no, nah, leave it, man. Nah, leave it. Uh... Leave it. Hey, if you do remember, yeah. So, yeah, we should probably touch on it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Back in 2008, uh, my band, The Blackout, was asked to play Bamboozle Festival in New York. And um, we got offered an American tour, and the tour was Bless the Fall were headlining. This was pre-Bo Borkan. A Skylit Drive were playing, Greeley Estates were playing, and then The Blackout opened every night. Yeah, at the time, you were in Greeley Estates. Do you remember any of that? And do you remember the fact that we were the first band on that tour, opening up every night, but we were at, we must have looked like absolute cunts. There's no way to say it. We turned up with a bus. We had a bus. Everybody else was in vans and trailers. The, the British twats have turned up with a bus. Yeah. Do you remember any of those or have you blanked it out because it was such a terrible time for you? No, I wouldn't say terrible time. I think just like, I remember those days were a little fuzzy for me. I remember certain shows or certain moments. Like I remember that was like right around the time where, you know, we played some off shows with like a day to remember. And it was like, I saw them for the first time and I'm like, Oh shit, this band is like, something's happening here. Um, so like the, I remember like little blips of things, but honestly that, yeah, I don't not- know why Mo- most of my touring career, I remember pretty vividly. Um, but the Greeley days, it was like vivid from like warp tour on. And then in between me leaving my band before then, like that gap is just kind of like, you know, fuzzy. And it wasn't cause I was like drinking or partying or anything. I think it was just like the first kind of like, I want to say traumatic, but it was like a very weird time in my life. And I, I like quit a band and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I'm like trying out for different bands. And then I'm like in this band, but then I'm like learning to, I, I mean, I played guitar, so like I could play bass, but no offense to bass players, but in this genre. Um, <laughs> but so like, I'm like very much like trying to like hold everything together in my mind of like, wh- what am I doing? How am I getting from point A to point B. So the, until I settled in and like felt comfortable with those guys, it, it was kind of a blur to me. Yeah. I, I'm the, like, I don't really remember much. I remember we turned up, um, we flew into, where did we fly into? I think it was LA or something like that. And then the first day it was meant to be in Albuquerque. Um, but as we got to our bus to get to Albuquerque, um, we found out that the venue had burnt down the night before. 
So oh, they were like, Jesus. oh, we miss Albuquerque and go straight to the second one then. And we were like, oh, okay. This is a good start. It's, it's fully it's fully in the blackout playbook. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. That's That's been a playbook I've been accustomed to myself, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember much about it. I remember there was one gig that we did where we were in a small room. And I think it was like Joey Belladonna from um, Anthrax was in the other room. But he had less of a crowd than our four bands had. Wow. I remember it being a, he was in a big hall, like a 2,000 capacity hall. I think the promoter came into our gig and asked us if we'd go and watch Joey <laughs> Belladonna after we, we all finished playing. So there was people there. There'd be more people. Yeah. yeah, that's all I really remember about it. Did a Skylit Drive drummer have really big earlobes? Yes. Was yeah, that? yeah. <laughs> that's, yep. that's it. That's the two things I remember. Oh. There were, pro- there were probably a lot of white belts worn. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all had fucking, yeah, we all had fringes that came from a different fucking area code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all had fucking 100%. big hair. Duh, them were the days. Those are the days. Young Sean. Peak 2008 there, but I mean, it tell you, like, obviously throughout that, You've done so much in your career and just talking about the evolution of things you've done. I mean, getting into this new chapter of the word alive now, I think with this album, there's been so much talk around the title just itself of Hard Reset, because in its own way, it's kind of the perfect dialogue of what's going on. And I'm sure getting this album out now and playing these new songs is one thing, but creating it after being maybe maybe not sure where the band was going and two members leaving and it being like, oh, maybe another obstacle to, to redo. How has it been for you kind of getting to this point now? Because I'm sure along the way for the last couple of years, there's been a, a lot of question marks between, you know, sh- do we push through? Do we quit? What what's, what's going on? Yeah, so to me, you know, the title, it means a lot of things. You know, it's the world shutting down, you know, that's one element of it where I think it was just a hard reset in, in a lot of senses for so many people around the world. It was a hard reset for the band having, you know, a lineup change. It was a, a lot of a hard reset for, you know, me just personally as well, just, you know, different things happening in my own life and whether it's relationship based or just like, challenges to myself and changes I wanted to make in my life and um you know a new label like you you name it like there's so many things <laughs> where I was like you know the word alive literally needs to turn it off and turn it back on again like Sean's Wi-Fi you know it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes that's all you got to do though like you you ha- you have to have that stop and you know I, I've said it a couple times in some different interviews but I'll elaborate on it. Like for us, like we were never going to like slow down necessarily. So what would have happened is, and and everyone who was in the band pre 2020, I think we all like had this sense of like, we, we were starting to go in different directions and with whether that was like internal stuff, the music we were making, whatever it was like, we weren't aligning. That's just a fact. But we all love each other as humans enough and we didn't want to let anybody down. So we were all just kind of like scraping by going in our different directions, but intertwined just enough that it kept us going forward. 
And that's like dragging, you know, like an anchor behind you, because what can you really get done? What progress can you really make if that is the internal reality of your band or any business or any relationship? Obviously not thankful for what the why, but uh, what the impact was to the word alive and us individually, um, both as musicians and then as men, like it was the best thing that could have ever happened to our band you know, to, to then have that moment where at first you like have a little bit of a, a freak out. You're like, Oh, what are we going to do? Kind of a thing. And then I, I called a few friends. I, I talked to some, some people I really trust in the industry. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to stop, but if I'm not going to stop, like, what does that look like? And, um, so the advice I was given was basically, they're just like, whatever you're about to do is probably going to be the best thing you've ever done because it'll be the first time where you can control like the energy of what's, what's being made. Then I started to having to look internally and, and look at the band and, and be really reflective and look at, you know, at that time, I mean, well, that was 2021. So 13 years in uh, to the band and be like, what does this mean? What, what have we done? What have we said? What is the impact our band has had and why? What do we mean to our fans? What does this mean to me? And, and then what record do you want to make after you've like looked at it from an outside lens? And so, and I've never done that before because we, it's always been go, 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 stop, mm. write some songs, write some songs, okay, record tour. Like it's just, we've never been able to be reflective at all. And you're always like put in this position touring, especially at this level where you don't really have the financial ability to say like, Hey, let's take six months off. Let's take a year off. Let's refocus. Let's look at, let's look at what we've done. Right. Let's look at what we've done wrong. Let's, let's write and rewrite an album. Let's write 30 songs instead of 10 and or 15 or whatever it was like, and and then ask ourselves like what is the intention with this song what is the purpose of this song like we never were really able to do that as a band ever and so i think that's why you have kind of this like winding road of you know it created questions of like who is the word alive what is the word alive um what lane are they you know capable of you know driving down what lane should they mark off as do not enter like <laughs> you know for us we were just always trying to like write in that moment what we felt was like what we wanted to do in spite of what we had done what fans had loved we were just like in this like let's just write whatever we feel like and now it's like, I still do that and you can do that and love your art so much, but I, I'm just getting older now. I'm like, what am I saying? How, what, if I'm going to put out music still, like at least under the word alive, the message and the intent of the song has to be something that is bigger than myself. That's bigger than the band. You know, that's one thing I realized that, that I was like, I want to continue to write songs that, that can be a healing place for people. It can be a reflective, like look in the mirror thing for people. It can be me getting out all, all the shit that's happened in my life. Like that I'm, I'm now on the other side of, and I can look back on it and be like, man, like that might've sucked, but 
I needed that dark time. I need this to, to be where I'm at now and then get that out. So I just then took all that and I was like, what record would like I be stoked on if I'd been following a band for 13 years and I'd like this song and I'd like this song and I like this record, but not this record. Like what, what record would I want to be made and try to make that record? And that was the, like the intent I wanted to, to not get sucked in and just do one thing to appease anybody necessarily. I just wanted to try to showcase all the things I feel are the best parts of my band. Because if I'm not a fan of our band, why would I expect anyone else to be? So this honestly was just like the most freeing, simplistic. It was very difficult, but it was simplistic in that we, we were in between labels. So it was just writing, 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 stacking. This is not good. This is not it. No, I don't feel this. This isn't saying the right thing. Um, we were able to like really sit and look at everything and be like, you know, what is the word alive and which songs feel like the word alive in, in 2022, 2023, as we were writing the record. And, and that's how you get to hard reset was allowing ourselves the time, you know, sitting with songs, sitting with things and, and asking questions about our music that we never really sat with and asked and. I'm very proud of it. I'm very happy to have had the the hard reset, but that definitely is like what the title is. It's it, it's not an end. It's 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 not fully a new beginning either because we we're trying to acknowledge the past. We're trying to acknowledge the nostalgia that you inevitably will have if you discovered our band 10 plus years ago. Um but it's kind of just trying to be like, hey, this is a fresh start for us though. And um, and we're not looking back. We're just trying to look forward and try to make sure that we have another 15 years ahead of us. And, yeah. and how, how can we do that? We have to make music we love, but we feel like our fans will love too. It's having that moment of self-reflection, but also combining it with circumstances. And you know, it is a very unique thing because as much as you'd like to have that time off and be able to focus on things like this, this industry is so fast. You're always on the tour. There's always something you need to be doing. You don't really have the luxury of that. And I think fans have, have picked up on what you've been trying to say on this record. And it seems like just really embracing it. It seems that like, as you said, it's not a total new thing. It's not an ending of one chapter. It's just kind of a, a celebration that you, you're able to still be here and still do the things you love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, the first person who's worded it like that but that is that is what it is like i am very thankful to to be here i'm grateful that the guys who who left are in really happy healthy positions for them and their careers and their lives like it it was a this is a true like win-win win-win situation for everyone <laughs> and involved like i i feel like everyone is happier and healthier for having gone through this like hard time and separation and and then we get to bring in two new you know people to our family that want to be here that are excited that love what we're doing and so it, yeah it's just been it's just been good uh, to to get the album out it just feels good how did the new member um how did the new members come about was it like an auditioning process or was it people you already knew or were they friends 
So we had had a fill in for the very first tour back um, because I only I had like less than two weeks, and I'm like, I have to replace two very very vital you know mm. members of the band. You know, like our guitar players don't just play rhythm or don't just play lead; like they play both. So it's like one and one's one was the the main songwriter aside from myself. So to to have him go and he's just like solid like a rock. And then have a drummer who our genre, you have to be a really good drummer. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, shit. So I had a, a fill-in friend um who was available that crushed it for us. He Maddie from from Ashes New, who we're going on tour with. Like we we love him. Um and I put out on I th- I don't know if it was Instagram or Twitter, a very vague thing, like essentially like a band is looking for blah blah blah. And it was us. Um and Chris from Underoath hits me up and he's like, he was like, is this for you? And, and I said, yes. And he's like, stop looking. I have your drummer. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like our drum tech. Um, he can play everything Aaron can play for Underoath. Like that was a part of his process of having to be their drum tech is he can learn everything, play everything. Uh, he's Tim's brother-in-law. So like they've known him, they know him like family. And, you know, when you get the, when you get the under oath endorsement, like we, we toured <laughs> with them, like I, I love them, like, but they're also some of the most fun, energetic, creative, talented musicians I've ever toured with or played with. So when under oath is like, yeah, this is your guy. I was like, we, I was talking to, I think like four drummers. I did like phone interviews with each, just like getting the vibe, like getting to know them. And I was like, you know what? I want you to do this tour. So I'm like, come out. If the tour, if we're vibing, if everything's good, like, you know, we'll just keep going. You know, um, I knew within like a week I was like, and, and I could tell he still hadn't even like come out of his shell. He's just started to fully come out of his shell like recently, right, but, okay. but I actually like that was endearing to me instead of like, a negative like i was like this guy is so humble and so sweet that he and he's so good but he he doesn't he's not playing like look at me he's he's just like i want to play the best i can play and he's just a sweetheart he's literally um uh, we played with under oath recently and uh it was the last night of tour for them and we played four shows with them and then began a tour so we were in the green room afterwards and i I had had some, some drinks with the guys and, you know, we're, we're sipping on some good whiskey and I got emotional and I was telling Tim and, and, and Chris, I'm like, thank you guys so much. I'm like, Daniel, our, our drummer, I'm like, Daniel is one of like the best things that's ever happened to me, like touring, like, because he is the exact energy that is, it's the sweetness, it's the humility, it's the calmness, it's the, like that when he says he loves you and like, doesn't like he genuinely means it. He's not just saying it like everyone calls everyone brother. It's not like that for him. Like he genuinely is like so sweet. It's it's crazy. And I'm I'm just like, dude, this is like the best possible person that could have stepped in. And then with Jose, Jose's situation was, you know, a lot more interesting. So we'd had a, a filling guy. The filling guy was going around telling everyone he was in the band. Um, and I, and in my mind, I'm like, this is a red flag. 
and you know, no, you fucking it, not. It, and, th- and you know, and things are just getting, it wasn't, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. Um, but Zach was also having took a, a hiatus. So like what was going to be maybe two weeks turned into a year. So then I'm like kind of in this situation where I'm trying to hold the band together, like into this new chapter of the band. And it was definitely like a very tumultuous time for me. Like I was the most unhealthy internally and externally like I've ever been. And, but I was just like, just every day I'd just be like, okay, just keep going forward one step at a time, just get through it. And so when Zach came back, um, it was, it was a, an opportunity to let go of the, the negative energy that just was not fitting, you know, at the end of the day. And it wasn't the, the right fit musically or in, outside of that. So our front of house, he was very aware of how I felt and how everyone felt this way. Even, even Daniel, who's the sweetest person on, on earth. If he's like something, this is not it. I was like, okay, like it's not just me. Thank God. So we asked our front of house guy because he's toured like a bunch or, and he's been a house guy. So he sees people coming in all the time. And we're just like, is there anyone you've seen who like you think would love or be a good fit? And he was like, absolutely. And he said, this guy, Jose Del Rio plays in a band called Vagrants. We took Vagrants on their very first tour. So I had, I've already met him. Zach had already met him, hung out with him. We already knew enough to know he was a good dude and a, like good energy, good vibe. We were just like, can he like, can he shred? Like, can he, cause we were going to be playing, we we're pulling some songs out of the vault. We're playing some old, like metalcore, metalcore songs. And he was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and, uh, and so he learned, he learned all the stuff and he practiced a shit ton. And dude, he's like my right hand man now. Like we, we talk, you know, all the time and, he really took the role very seriously of like, he was replacing a very huge part of the word alive. He stepped in and was like, I'm not going to try to be him, but I understand like the responsibility and the weight of his role and I will do any and all of it. And, and he has, and he's done it great. So it's to me, it's, I, I feel like I got so lucky. And, and again, it's, it's another one of those reminders of like the perseverance and especially in the music industry, sometimes you got to go through the fucking the I 80 in the middle of winter to get to the sold out show. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it's just a part of it. You ha- you're not going to have like all like easy times. And so we we've endured, we got to 15 years. And I think part of that is, you know, we just let the fans carry us through those dark times. And it's nice to see that you've made a connection, not only with these new members, but the fact that they've been endorsed by other people you trust. And it's just like a whole family of touring is in this music industry is so small. Like it's, it's mad to see all of these connections. But, um, you talked about during that previous process of, of making a couple of calls with people you, you really trust. And I believe a couple of those were with Spencer from Under Oath and yeah. Matt Good of, from first to last. And I'm sure there's two sides to this where you feel very proud that you can call these people up and they can give you their honest advice and stuff. But on the flip side, being like, yo, these are two bands I grew up idolizing. And the fact that you can do that even more so must make you feel like 
incredibly touched that you've reached this this point in your career where this happens is it wild sometimes to, to think on those two sides of like 14 year old me is freaking out but also adult me is very like grateful that this is happening yeah you know i absolutely um life is a trip um <laughs> if you would have told me like I didn't want to be a singer in a band. I didn't even want to be in a band. Like that's not what my like childhood dream was. I was what I call a late bloomer into the music scene. When I started falling in love with music uh, around like the seventh, eighth grade of like my own music, like Deftones, Lincoln Park and I, uh, my Kim. And I, I was just like, whatever this like new metal Limp Bizkit. I love new metal and I love like the emo scene, like, you know, that all that stuff and under oath, Zayao um Silverstein you know like those bands I was just kind of in the middle but then I also had this like pop classic rock thing from my parents and which is why I love all that still today but to me it, it it's weird because I I do recognize like this is my life and, the, and those things are true that I have gone there but like I don't really think about it like that like I th I still think I'm just like a kid from Ohio like I, I don't really think about the the whole thing like when it when you say it like that that forces me to but there are definitely so many relationships or experiences I've had that w if I were to sit back I'm like damn this is actually kind of crazy this is pretty cool and I do have those like in the moment like the first time when we toured with Silverstein in 2009 the first time uh we we toured with Under Oath 2010 then me singing for Under Oath like I, in those moments, I'm like shitting myself, you know, like, and then, and then you, not that I don't care about it the same way, but I'm a little more desensitized to it now because I get to know them. And this is a cool part. It's like, you know, all these people are, are humans and they're not just humans, but they're humans like me. So I feel like this connection to them. And I'm sure if we hung out, you know, we, or we would have that same thing because there's people who are drawn to this world, to this side of the industry, to, to music that makes you feel something and a very raw and sometimes like, you know, it can be dark, but there's also a lot of light to it. Um, it's just a specific type of person. And so you, you feel like, yeah, okay. Like I could be friends with this person probably, you know, it, you, and you know, you have something in common. So then as the years have gone on and you know, we've tried to prove ourselves and create a name for ourselves within the industry because, you know, going from a band who, yeah, like was influenced by and wanted to maybe even sound like certain bands. Now at this stage in our career, I'm like, I don't want to sound like them. I want to sound like the word alive and be like next to them. And so that's like the evolution of it is there's two parts. Like I have the friendship part behind the scenes. And then I have the, we're peers now. And, and you have this moment where you accept that like, we've earned this right to like be mentioned with these names and, and, but they had the same feeling too, you know, like with, with their, the people that they're influenced by. So I think it's cool. And, and we have it now 15 years in we've toured with bands and they're like, I gotta tell you, like I was, I listened to you in middle school or so. And at first I'm like, are you calling me old? I was like, are you calling me old? Are you calling me old? But, but then now I, now I look at it like, fuck that. I'm like, I didn't even think I was going to be in a band, let alone two years, let alone five, 10, 50. Uh, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, you're like, you look at longevity as again, like a badge of honor. Like this is sick. 
that we've made it this far and done all these things. Like I don't feel old. Um, and, and I'm glad that I had some of the, the people to look up to like Spencer or like Shane told, you know, like when I was coming up because I've heard so many horror stories. So many people didn't have that to, to like look after them and to be able to call and, and ask questions. Um, so I just try to be that now too, to the, the guys that everyone calls me dad on tour. Cause I'm like, I'm like, what's going on in your life? Tell me about it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love that. Is there being any, um, words of advice from people over the years in general that has really stuck with you? And there's something like you take into more than one day at a time. Yeah, so there are a few things. So, you know, one, one perspective shift for me was when I filled in for Spencer from under oath in 2010 and Chris said to me right before going on stage, like, I, and I like blacked out. I, for, I forgot like half the lyrics. I was like fucking up. Um, and everyone had so much fun, but he was like, every lyric you get right tonight is a lyric that a under oath fan wouldn't have got to hear. And then he was like, we're, we're just playing music, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're making noise and people like it and feel something from it. Like, so I've just been taught and told, you know, live very in the moment. It's not about being a hundred percent perfect. Like maybe your 80% that night will give a hundred percent of your 80%. Like give what whatever you have, give that and people will feel that and appreciate it and value it. And once I started like not being like overly, overly critical on myself in a negative way, I mean, my voice got better. It got stronger because so much of how you perform comes from your mental state. And, you know, you can be having a bad day and go on stage and it feels like therapy, you know, and you're just walking away and you're like weightless after and you're like, shit, like this is great. Well, part of that also can be accepting that you're going to make mistakes. But if you're trying to make music to be perfect, like, that's not, it's good. You're going to be left wanting all the time because there's so many things that come into play from that. It's not easy and nobody is perfect. Um, I think trying to do your best and, and really like living in the moment, enjoying the fact that what, you know, we say now with this lineup, we kind of had a, a new motto before we go on stage and we do two things. We say there are no such thing as bad days when we get to play music on for a living. And two, um, we each say one thing we're grateful for that day. So I tell bands that all the time now, like, what are you grateful for? F focus on that. Focus on like, dude, you, okay. You scream into a microphone and you're going to get to do that tomorrow. Like that's pretty cool. And, and it comes at, at a cost. Of course, you know, there, there are pros and cons to this life as we all know, but fuck, like I want to, I want to choose anything else. I, I choose the, the, the pain, the, the other things, because when you have that one, all it takes is one show and it, it lights you up for a year. You know, it's like, it's, it's just something so special. Beautifully put. Absolutely beautifully <laughs> put. Well done. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself and you nailed it. Yeah. It's, you're exactly right. It can just literally just take one show to sometimes mend, um, a fucked head which is a terrible description of uh, <laughs> mental illness. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. What a beautiful way to put it as well. Thank you. In, um, in passing there, you mentioned about a lot of um, th those influences and being kind of a, a lover for new metal and a lover for emo. And I think that sums up me and Sean oh. per <laughs> absolutely perfectly 
with <laughs> with our perspectives on stuff. But um, a while back, I saw you make um, a very valid point about Limp Biscuit, and that is Sean's favorite band. So I wanted to bring this up. I wanted you to elaborate on that a, a little bit and see if he agrees. Um, you, I think you posted Limp Biscuit is so good. Nobody has been successfully showcased them as an influence. No one sounds exactly like Limp Biscuit. There's plenty of bands you know you listen to and you go, ah, oh, that's a little bit like Jimmy Eat World or that. That's a little bit like Slipknotty. Limp Biscuit, one of one, are we saying? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of one. I don't think, and I know bands try. I'm sure we've tried to a certain <laughs> extent. And we've maybe had moments where we're like, oh, that kind of feels like this. It's not possible. Like it is not, they, it is, they are like uh, how people describe the shaking up uh, of evolution of a watch. They are like, you shook up this watch with all these parts and it just fucking fits. Like yeah. they, they are to me, one of the coolest, one of the most underrated bands of all time. Um, I think they rode the line of no one could put their finger on them so perfectly that even when you hated them, you couldn't even fully say why. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it's like just so subjective that it's not about wh who they are. Okay. Oh, I don't like this because it wasn't serious. They're not trying to be serious. Okay. I, I, I like this side of them, but why do they dress that way? Because they don't give a shit about having to look or be a certain thing. They're just playing this song. Like it, every, every step of the way, when someone's been like, I don't like them because of this, that thing is like an obscure thing or something that's just, that's a, a personal preference it has nothing to do with like the musicianship. Like no one can deny how talented and how much range they have. Like what band can do what, what they do without either a just doing it very, very poorly or B it's like, you're, you're just trying to be like a cover band, you know, at that point, like it would be so you would, people would see through it so quickly. Whereas when you're in the, post-hardcore metalcore world you know for for guitar players out there like when you've heard open eight five open to you know like when, when you yeah. heard it all it's like there's only so much range you can do and so much you can create into a song that makes you feel like you've never heard it before but i know that when limp biscuit comes out with something 
they're going to do something that I've never heard before. And they keep doing it. I'm like, I think the, the new record, it, it's growing on me in a way, not that it needed to grow on me, but I just mean it's been growing on me even more so that it might be my favorite limp record to date, which wow. is crazy to me. And it's only because there's so, so much depth to it, even more. And I think that's just the time technology, the mix and things now. But like, dude, there's stuff like sonically like buried in some of those songs, like when you listen to enough comes out and I'm just like, dude, the nuance within their music for a new, a new metal band, which I don't even know if you could only classify them as that. Like, it's just, it'll never be done. They'll never be touched. It's, it's like how Linkin Park was where they almost invented the four chord, big open ring. Like you cannot make a song like that and someone not be like, oh, it sounds like Linkin Park. You can't mm. do it. It's not possible. The difference is like you, you people will continue to do it. And but limp is too unique to where mm. people's minds don't even work that way. You can't even emulate them because how the fuck do you come up with that? To, to take acid and just like start playing <laughs> guitar. You know, it's like, it, it's just so specifically unique and they just have their own thing. And again, it's like they're a band that have, you know, internally, they're so different and they like so many different things. Probably they all, I guarantee you, they all listen to different stuff. The way they look on stage is a direct reflection of like who they are individually. And I, I think you hear that in the music and a lot of bands that doesn't work after a certain time, um, system of a down, you know, but, but for them, it fucking it, it's like getting better somehow and i'm like this is crazy i could talk about limpus good all day I, I love <laughs> snap <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> me too well we're trying our fucking best to get fred on yeah i dm oh. him on instagram every like pretty much fortnightly now and he likes he likes the message like he fucking clicks and gives it a heart and then that's it i'm like for fuck's sake i literally sent him one message that was basically like Come on my podcast, right? <laughs> I will be rimming you for an hour. That's all it's going to be. I won't mention the fucking film you did with John Travolta, the flop. I won't fucking ask you when there's new music coming because I know he hates that fucking question as well. And I was just like, come on and let me just thank you for an hour for everything I've been able to do because <laughs> of your influence. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't that. have this now. Like... I'd never have done that tour in America with you guys. Like, I never would have done what, like, I, n nothing I have. It doesn't come from the fact that I found Limp Bizkit and he swore 48 times in hot dog. And I went, I love swearing and I love shouting. Those are two yeah. things I can do perfectly. Yeah. So, yeah, like, what a fucking band. And then, um, have you ever played with them? Have you ever done shows with them? We've never played. Wes did a remix for The Word Alive back in, like, 2011. And... Um, I how was it? How was the remix? Strange or regular? Strange, strange. <laughs> we, we've talked, we've talked about it because uh, we've hung out a few times since. I've gone to see them. We have mutual friends. I have a really funny, weird West Borland story. Um, from I don't know if it was in lockdowns. I had I, I posted a couple times about Limp Bizkit, whatever. One day he just writes me and sends me like photos of him, like painting, like these paintings he was working on. I, if you don't know, he's an incredible artist. Like oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, 
the way he plays guitar, he also paints, if that makes sense. Yeah. And he, we had never had a conversation. We never talked. We weren't like friends. I don't think he was following me. I don't know what or how or why. Mm. He just sent me these paintings and he's like, I've never shown anybody these. <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> and we're talking about painting then. And I don't even, I would have to go back in my DMs. I got to try to find it. But wow. um, it was just, I was just like, this is one of those moments we were talking about earlier where you're like, yeah, how yeah. the fuck did I get here? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Wes Borland is in my DM <laughs> showing me his like paintings. He's not shown anybody. I'm like, what, what is life? Um, but he's an, he's an awesome guy. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, we didn't talk for probably like a year and a half after that. I think then I saw him play, um, this festival and I got, it was the first time I got in a pit in like years during break so i'm just like fuck me up i'm like take me if i die here i'm fine um it was fucking sick saw him after we've talked a couple times through through mutual friends we're in a group chat together and we've done and he does a bunch of stuff with like a danny wimmer festival and josh balls who is emotionless and white and so we've been on things together and 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 talked but he i think with the remix was like yeah. He was like, I'm sorry. He was like, that was when I was like early just getting started. And my manager was, you know, his manager was managing someone from nine inch nails. And, um, and that's how it kind of came about. They were doing a remix together and we thought it was going to be Wes and then whoever from nine inch nails, um, I'm drawing a blank, but, um, it ended up just being Wes cause he didn't have enough time to do it. So in my mind, we were about to have limp biscuit and nine inch nails be, know <laughs> that the word alive is even in existence. I'm like, dude, this is sick. So, but yeah, you, you check it out. It's, uh, it's on Spotify and whatnot. Like if you do, uh, I think it was pounds of Anubis, West Borland remix. Um, it's, he did some really cool shit. It was just like, I, I couldn't tell fully what, what the overall goal was necessarily, but certain parts were fucking awesome. Like looking, listening now, I like it way more than I did when I first heard it. And then I just feel like, yeah, he was just trying shit. He was just yeah. like, ah, I don't know. Let's move this year. You know? <laughs> nice. Oh, well, I, I hope it that. happens. I think, yeah, the word alive definitely need a tour with Limp Bizkit. Like I think. I would say yes. I would say instant. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I did as well. And, uh, yeah, it was fucking what a time. If not, I think you and Wes just need to like paint together and film it because I think that would be interesting. If he said, Telly, you have to come paint with me, but you have to paint in the nude, I would paint in the nude with Wes Borland <laughs> in front of in Times Square. I don't care. I'm like, let's go. But he, I, I paint. He is an amazing painter. I can't even say I paint compared to him. I just put paint onto something. He is a painter, he's like an artist. Yeah, I'm more of a decorator compared to Wes yeah. Borland. I just, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can do walls, but one color. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. This oh, walls. Walls. Yeah, I've got it, Wes. Great, yeah. great walls. <laughs> uh, that's not a bad music video idea either, to be honest. If you can get him in YouTube painting naked in Times Square, I think oh, you'd wow. probably need a weird permit or something, actually. But I mean, I'm just sure. a thought that counts, but right. I'll just, I'll settle. I'll be, I, I live in Los Angeles. I'm like, I can just go downtown. There's naked people there uh, all the time. Yeah. So. Well, there we are. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> if um, if Limp Bizkit are the kings of new metal for you, who would you say is your king or queen of emo? Oh, so 
Um, as you might imagine, I, mine is actually, and they bridged the gap on one of my favorite records of all time with new metal, but I would say from first to last for me, Ooh. um, I, I feel like you couldn't fully peg them as emo or new metal or screamo. Like they kind of are this again, very unique. I, I love things that, that, that to me at least stand out that no one could ever replicate to me from first to last is, is that band as well. I remember wanting to learn like note to self on guitar and being like, I want to sing these parts. I'm going to scream these parts. Oh, I want to play, I want to play drums now. You know, like I'm, I'm just like, I want to do everything that is in this band. Um, so I, I probably for them, if you want to go more like traditional, like a uh, softer side, um, I would say probably like Jimmy Eat world is like my like childhood, thing I, I don't know what to call or classify there's like a million subgenres these oh, days yeah, so i'm like yeah. i don't know but that was called email when i was growing up so i'm gonna call it email. <laughs> but i love i love jimmy bro and same same here Good second call. favorite my favorite second favorite band of all time so i completely agree with you on that top five top five yeah <laughs> as we uh start winding down on this conversation as well i mean you've mentioned just some absolutely incredible stories in passing with stuff but Every now and again, we like to ask um, musical guests like the weirdest venue they've ever played because sometimes we get some incredible answers. You know, Frank Iroh has told us about going on the back of a pickup truck. Uh, Cassidy Pope the other day said about playing a zoo. Sean's played a ball ring. There's been all sorts. Is there anything that's come to mind with you throughout the years where you've had to play a show in the place that's maybe um, a, a peculiar circumstance of sorts? I mean, I know the answer is yes. Um, played so many shows. I will just say what came to mind because of this question. So we were in New Zealand and I think we were supposed to play uh, one venue and something happened and we got moved last minute to this other venue and it was like an upstairs. Maybe it was a bar. I don't even know exactly what it was. All I know is we went up there and it's like, they're like empty beer bottles, piss bottles, cables. Like no one had ever organized anything. There's dirt. The, the, the front of house guy just chain smoking, like right in our faces. We're like, can you stop smoking in here? You just look at you. We're on. He's everything's fucked. Like our fans are like traumatized being in this venue. It was just so weird. There, it wasn't even like a lot of people. I think we were in Christchurch and it was an off season. So it's like a ski. Res- It'd be like playing Aspen in Colorado for like scene kids in like June. You know, it's like <laughs> there are none there. Um, so we're playing and the guys just like fucking with us and turning stuff up. It's the only time our band has ever been like, fuck this venue. Fuck this guy. Um, we were like unplugging stuff. I'm pretty sure there was some damage done to something of this guy's by a former member of our band that I, I heard about it. And let's just say I didn't feel bad. Um, <laughs> it, 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 and we were just like, what just happened? That was probably the, the worst, but this made me think of the weirdest. Okay. I know the weirdest now. Um, Gary or Muncie, Indiana. I don't 
I don't, both are, I hopefully will never go to again. This is one of my first shows ever out of state. Uh, so this would have been like 2006. We're going to play this like small VFW hall. Um, at the time I was playing guitar and keys and doing backup vocals, had like a micro Korg. I was like trying to be like Chris from under oath or trying to be like Prada, <laughs> just like, Oh man, Joe, I'm going to do all the cool shit. Like, and so we're there we get in we're, we're it's like a ghost town and but then the show's sold out we're like stoked but it was not normal people we were there we're playing and people are like on crazy drugs and they're like staring at us and then someone breaks like uh you know fluorescent lighting like the long pole yeah, yeah, yeah. they start breaking they start breaking the ceiling and ripping it down, there's glass, people start bleeding and people are like liking the fact that they're bleeding. And so people are just like bloody, like pitting and like jumping. We're literally on just playing and it's on the ground. We're on the same level as them. It's like from this camera, someone's just with blood on them. It's like right in front of wow. me. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? We were <laughs> supposed to stay there that night. We get done playing. There's just broken glass, powdered stuff on the floor. Everyone just like leaves though. Doesn't like stay and hang out. They just, they just go. And we're just like, we need to get the fuck out of this city. We, we were supposed to stay that night at someone's house. And we we're like, we think we'll get killed. If we stay here, we left and never heard anything about it. Never played there again. I have never heard of that venue in the f f however many years since fucking scary. We literally were like, I remember we were driving, we we're going out of town. And we we're like, were they like possessed? Were they on? Is that what meth <laughs> is? Like we, we didn't know. Maybe. We're just like, this is fucking wild. And they're like enjoying it. No one was like pissed that they were getting like fucked up. Like this is insane. Sounds like a scene from Blade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, it could be in slow motion and you have like the, yeah, the, if I had the vampire goggles on, it would have been a lot, a lot cooler. I had like all this dust and crazy shit like in my keyboard. I was like, this place. Wow. That was the worst and weirdest show. I like the idea if you Google that town now, it comes up on Google that it never existed and you just oh. went through some sort of mental plane. But you're like, what the fuck? Where the fuck are you? Like we go back next, the week after and there's nothing there. Nothing. No buildings. Ooh. That's how it felt, though. That's how it felt. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were like, we can never come back here. <laughs> well, that's definitely one of the weird, one of the weirdest uh, experiences we've heard. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared yeah. that. Yeah, you're winning. You're winning <sighs> on that scale. So thank you. But um, no, Teddy. Honestly, we've really appreciated your time and, and talking to us through uh, everything and just sharing so many stories. Um, as I said, you know, this new album, Hard Reset, has had such a connection with people in. I know you're going to be very busy now for uh, the rest of the year in 2024, just constantly touring. But is there anything else we should kind of look out for? Anything you want to share with people? Uh, any UK dates we can maybe expect soon as well? Yeah. Um, wh when is this going to come out? Well, just in case it hasn't yet. We yeah, we're announcing a direct support for UK and Europe run in February, March. Um, that's pretty extensive. We have one day off in like 26 or 27 days, so Ooh. it's going to be pretty brutal. But yeah, so catch the beginning of the tour when I'm not tired yet. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, it, it'll be a good run and it's 
it's, it'll be our first time back since 2019. Um, so I'm, I'm super stoked. I love touring Europe. I'm like the American that loves going over there. I have friends who are like, I'm never going over there ever again. And I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I never want to tour the States ever again. I'm like, put me, put me everywhere else in the world. You know, not, not fully, but I just feel like Europe, UK, Japan, South America, where like Australia, they just appreciate, you know, music. They appreciate us coming over there more than sometimes, you know, you play like a city here in America for the third time in, you know, 18 months and they're like, eh, you know, I'll catch them next time. Like, it's just, it's just a different vibe, different energy. And, and I'm like very, very big onto that, like live in the moment, enjoy like the show. And so I will be very thankful to, to be on stage in Europe and the UK. Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, yeah, as I said, really, really enjoy this and looking forward to uh, catching you at the start of next year when you're, uh, when you're over here. Yeah, I would love that. You listen to Podcast! Yeah! Yes! That was the fantastic Telly Smith of the Word Alive and previously of Greeley Estates for about 72 hours. <laughs> <laughs> then those 72 hours were spent on tour with you. So that's a memorable time for him. <laughs> Apologies for that. No, but it is crazy how small this industry is and to think like a, a big titan of that metalcore world was in a, another band and they were in a small venues with you way back, way back when. It's just funny how everything turns out and i mean the word alive of just being a, a huge factor for so many influences within this scene over the last decade and this new album hard reset i think is one of the best yet if you haven't yet go and check it out there's some absolutely incredible tracks on there and loads of features by some of your f- other favorite bands probably bad omens normandy craig mabbit loveless from first to last they're all on the album so there's a mixture of everything and really Telly's just got a lot of mutual friends with us, so I'm sure this fits in really nicely uh, with our episodes list. If this is your first time listening to the podcast or you're quite new here, go back, scroll all the way through, because we've had half of them on. We've had other incredible artists from all different scenes, and it's absolutely worth it. But um, speaking of just crazy stuff within music and life and all that, there's a couple of things we're going to touch on quickly. Um, But for anyone listening in the UK... On, if you listen to this on the Friday, then tomorrow, Saturday, 30th of September, there is a new Correct. festival in Bristol, UK, uh, that Sean is playing with his band Raiders uh, that he wants to tell you about. Yes, uh, not only am I playing with my band Raiders, I'm also jockeying the discs at the after party Ooh. with the mighty Alex. We've tried several times to get her on the <laughs> fucking podcast, but narrowing her down is very fucking hard. Holcom Misery Loves Company Festival in Bristol. It's hosted and put on by um, a friend of ours, Ian Chaddington, who's in the Mighty Raptors band as well. Check them out. They've got a new single coming out very, very soon, I believe. And yeah, it's going to be a fucking fantastic event. It's been run immaculately. Let me tell you how good it's been run, right? When I was in rehearsals two weeks ago with Raiders, Stick said, this Misery Loves Company is it being run by someone in a band? And I said, yeah, Ian Chandler from Raiders. Uh, from Raptors. He's not in Raiders yet. And he said, do you know what? I thought it was because it's so well organized and it's so already sorted for the bands in a band way that I thought it was being run by somebody in a band. Wow. So thank you very much to Ian for having us. We're very, very appreciative. 
The lineup is fucking fantastic. I won't go into it now. Literally Google Misery Loves Company on your phone right now. Have a check. So that's this Saturday, 30th of September, 2023. And then it has... Also, uh, if you remember our Patreon page, you actually get an exclusive 20% off discount for those tickets. So if you really want a last-minute festival experience for 20% cheaper, patreon.com forward slash sapmin, the code's all in there. You can't find it, message us, and we'll... But yes, so, continue. What, what, what Morgan's just done there is, right, so for basically a pound, right, yeah. you can get much cheaper tickets. Exactly. So check out... Check out patreon.com forward slash family. That's a great plug to try and make us some money. And I like <laughs> that, Mom. It won't work, but I do like the It's effort. worth a go, isn't it? It's worth a try. Oh, you know, hey, you know. hey, yeah, it is worth a go. Also I've... recently announced. Oh, go on. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was just going to say, I've uh, people have been telling me a lot about this um, ghoul math theory on TikTok, where they explain something where how it becomes cheaper. So that is pure ghoul math, is that if you spend money... To become a patron, you save money in other areas, which is true. So, um, can I just say, on behalf of Sean Smith and Sean Smith Enterprises, um, I'd like to think that would be called human math. It's um, a tick. I am not. I I'm not specifying it to a gender because I'm a good guy. <laughs> Whereas Morgan hates men i don't know i don't know uh, before we get ourselves into trouble somehow um tell us about another uh, yes oh yes yes good good yes let's get away from that very very fast very very fast yes this week we um my band raiders again have announced that on november the 6th 2023 we will be opening up for the mighty finch at the tram shed in Cardiff. So if you're thinking about getting tickets for Finch in Cardiff, you should have fucking done it by now, right? Number one, you should have done it by now. Number two, come on. For fuck's sake, come and see us. Filth is Eternal, I believe they're called. What's that? It's a mad name. And the Mighty Finch. I'm, listen, I'm going for the Finch. Right? <laughs> Even if my band wasn't playing, I'd be going to see Finch anyway. So the fact that I get in a little bit early and... Might get to do a Dal Plumbo impression because they got two songs off that album. They're playing that Dal Plumbo from the Glass Show is on. So, you know, if they did need a second, I know Finch listen every week, right? So, Finch, if you listen, I've just offered, right? We can do fucking Grey Matter or um, Project Mayhem. Oh, what a band. They're playing that incredible album in full as well. So, it'd be a nice little, uh, nice little emo shindig there. Yes, it will. Twill. Twill indeed. I cannot wait. So thank you very much to Dean Whittaker from Imperial Music for putting Raiders on that. It was literally a don't ask, don't get situation. I messaged Dean. I said, Dean, did anyone open for them for Finch? He said, oh no, it's just the one band. I said, and just Raiders can play, please. <laughs> and he said, uh, probably not. And I went, all right, fair enough. Mm. And then, uh, no, it's happening! Hooray! The magic of asking. Well, some really exciting things going on. And uh, make sure you follow at Pod on Instagram and the app formerly known as Twitter because we're not calling it by the other thing anymore. Um, for just continuing updates on what we're getting up to and maybe we'll be at the festival 
uh, this weekend recording some stuff as well. Fingers crossed. Who knows? But at Sapnin Pod. And remember to support us via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. If you head to the description of this episode and all episodes, there's many names there that we like to thank. But as always, Sean is going to give a mahoosive shout out to the elite members of our Sapnin Podcast Patreon community. Thank you very much to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwoway, Janelle Castan, Paul Hirschfield, Tony Michael, Kelly Irwin, Dilly Grimwood, Natasha Morris, Emma Barber, Mitch Perry, Nathan Croshaw, Scarlett Charlton, Nathan White, Amy Louise, Alexandra Pemblinton, Kat Besson, Molly Malloy and James Bowerbank, Jerry Robertson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Dawson, Stuart McNaught, Ellen Southfield, Stephen Aston, Callie Robertson, Kate Patek, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, James McNaught, Jenny Munster, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, M. Evans Roberts, Craig Harris, Evan, Sean Fines, Vicky, Emily Perry, Adam King of the Goss Parslow, Kalila Keane, Ollie Amesbury, Josh, I'm not a fan of music in lifts, it's bad on so many levels, Crisp, Kyle David Smith, and last by no means least, Colin Lewins and family! Ooh. I love all of those people very much. Thank you very much. Join our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash happening. And just before we go, I'd like to, um, well, I've been wondering, so it's been two days now. I, I've had two days to work it out, right? I, w- myself, Morgan, went to see Busted mm-hmm. um, on Tuesday. It's currently Thursday when I'm recording this. Sorry for uh, breaking kayfabe. This isn't live <laughs> when you're listening to it. Um, so we went to see Busted, and they were being supported by The Hansen. You might remember Hansen from M Bop. Do it up, but do wop, but do it up, bop. So they played, right? And um, for some reason, instead of the um, beautiful girl we used to sing from, they've now got uh, John Bon Jovi <laughs> from the 90s, right? Which would seemed weird to me. That's the first weird move. Don't have right. John Bon Jovi singing for um, female fronted Hansen, surely. And then. The biggest song, which I just mentioned, they did not play that, right? And I went, that is fucking mental. But do you know why they didn't play it? Because they fucking, because t- Busted said, oh, you know your biggest hit? Any chance we could fucking play it because we like it? <laughs> and Anson went, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want, yeah. And I don't get how the fuck that happened, why that happened. I know it's on the new album or whatever, the re-record, they've re-recorded it, but Hansen should have played it during their set, if not an acoustic version or one of them country rock versions of their songs, because they, they're going our way now in a country Jesus. So, um, yes, uh, that blew my mind. Um, that's it. That's all I want to say, really. Um, I've never said... That's like the blackout taking Wheat Us Out in February and saying, oh, you can't play fucking Teenage Dirtbag, we want to play it. <laughs> That's mental! <laughs> mental! I want to see that happen, <sighs> though. Petition. Well, Petition hey. to everyone for that. Yeah, everybody get in touch with at uh, Wheatus on Twitter and Instagram and see if he wants to let us play Teenage Dirtbag. He doesn't have to come on the tour. He doesn't have to come on the tour. Imagine if Busted was just like, oh, do you know what? Let, fucking, we're just going to start playing other people's songs. And then they just did. That'd be class, isn't it? Hey, play drum. But Charlie did give a sap in as well, a Cardiff. So that was nice. That was nice. I think yeah. only me and you picked up on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I texted before. I texted before and I said, "Oh, give the crowd a sapling from me." 
So they do their uh, intro thing where they play for two or three songs and then he went, Sopnin! And I was like, oh, that's nice. No. And then you messaged me going, oh, cheeky Sopnin! And I was like, yep, <laughs> I texted him to say it. And I genuinely only me and you knew. So well, cheers, Charles, man. Thanks, nice Charlie. Thank you. That's it. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Sopnin! Sopnin! <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> the fucking weirdest out all we've ever done. You're listening to Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um thank you very much. <laughs>